0: that song is so true sin is like a ball and chain isn't it wraps itself around you kind of drag it through life it just reminded me as I was sitting there tonight how thankful I am for Jesus Christ and for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the power of God in our lives through Christ to set us free from the things that enslave us and ruin our lives you know I had a little thought I wanted to share with you this evening before I get started my message. What was the big event this week? Anybody know? The big event that shouldn't have been an event? I guess you guys don't watch the news. Begins with a B, last name S. There you go. Thank you, son. My son, he keeps up on the news. Can you imagine being taken to the hospital in an ambulance in a train of cars, a football field long with four helicopters flying over you? I'm going to tell you a secret about human beings, okay? Because I realize that a lot of people make their living making fun of Brittany. But I'm going to tell you something about human beings. Human beings cannot handle being worshipped. Don't, I have a little saying I, I, and, and I have this book that I'm writing, I would, you know book I'm writing it's a book of thoughts over the last 20 years of my life. and one of my wrote recently is don't make me famous ever. I would rather be destined to obscurity and no one ever knew my name than to be famous. We cannot handle as human beings, God designed us to experience a lot of wonderful things in life. He designed us to experience a degree of pleasure, not to live for pleasure, but to experience it. He designed us to be able to experience taste and food and life. But God did not design us to be worshipped and adored. And the reason Jim Belushi and Chris Farley and Heath Ledger and Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears... And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Michael Jackson, you know why? You know one of the big reasons why these people do not function and lots of the rest of them are secretly behind closed doors falling apart because we cannot handle all the demands of those who worship us. It's a frightening thing. To imagine that the thing you just did now has to be beat with the next thing you do. And all these people are calling your name. And all these people worship you. And all these people adore you. You can't handle it. But you think you can. You think you can. You think about all the rock stars whose lives have been ruined. All the movie stars whose lives are ruined. I, I really don't know of one whose life hasn't been touched in some great way by sin and tragedy. Only God, only God deserves worship. The Bible tells us to give honor to where honor is due, to give respect where respect is due, to appreciate, to affirm others. And and it's okay to compliment others, but we've way across the line. And in some ways, in some ways the, the public is as responsible for Brittany as Brittany is because the system is broken. These people cannot handle being worshipped. It's kind of like, this is a really gross analogy, so I'll prepare you. It's kind of like putting a cat in the microwave to dry it off. A lady did that not too long ago. I won't tell you what happened. Let's just say that the cat can't handle the microwave. But a potato can but the cat can't. And worship is the same way. We have crossed over the line. Listen, when you got thousands of people waiting in line to get your autograph, it's way crossed over respect and into worship. You can't handle it. The, and you know, so many of us, you, you see this on American Idol, you see this on these reality shows, everybody wants their moments of fame, their moments in the sun. You can't Handle it. Do you know that everything the Bible says, God says for your good, for your well-being? So, for example, the Bible says, Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. The Bible says, Whoever would be great among you, be the slave. Don't be the Lord Master, be the slave. You say, Oh, my God, that's so bizarre. No, God has your best interest in mind, and you'll be the happiest. If you live upside down. But you live the way the world tells you to. And you know, it's so interesting. I know so many young men and women, but particularly women, particularly women, who get all caught up in the idolized beauty of Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton's and Britney Spears. And Jennifer Lopez. And their lives are ruined. Their lives are already ruined. They may smile. They may look glitz and glam. But they are falling apart. A little bit at a time. Because we can't handle that life. Now here's what's really interesting. Really interesting. When you get to heaven. If you live in this world. Upside down. God's way. When you get to heaven, you're going to have a new body that can handle the glory God's going to give you. Did you know that? You're going to get a brand new body in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment. Your body's going to change when Christ comes back for you. And He's going to stand you up in front of billions of people in heaven. For your faithfulness to him here and he's going to reward you and you will have that fame. Listen, this is very important. You will have that fame forever and ever and ever and ever and you'll never have to top it. You'll never have to, let's see, what will I come out with next year? You'll never have to have an agent and you'll be able to handle it. But in this life, you can't handle it. In this life, it will destroy you. If you're greedy for power, if you're greedy for fame, if you're greedy to be noticed, if you wish people would just give you a little bit of what those people get listen it's ruining their lives. they can't live up to the idealized overblown overproportionalized version of themselves. <clears throat> can't handle it. We got to learn to believe God's word. we really have got to learn to believe God's word. God loves you he cares about you the things that God says in the Word of God they aren't to hurt you. They aren't like to keep something from you. They're to save your life. They're to bless your life. They're to guide you in the path that is right. In our world, of course, just goes just the opposite. I was thinking about the song that Bart was singing tonight. I should do a series sometime on women. The girls don't take that personal. I mean to you guys and our (laughs) over-affection and our over... um, Oh, fixation on women. You know what? um, there There was a king in the Bible. His name is King Lemuel. And one of the most famous passages on women in the Bible is in Proverbs 31. And in Proverbs 31, you have a mother telling her son what a woman of noble character is like. But before she gets to that, she says this to him. O son, O son of my womb, O son of my promise, do not spend your strength on women, the royal destruction of kings. Proverbs, the first seven chapters of Proverbs. Every single proverb tells you, avoid the prostitute. Avoid the seductive woman. Avoid her, avoid her, avoid her. You walk into CVS Pharmacy, there she is, on Maxim, on Esquire, on muscle-bound whatever. She's there, 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 there. It's pressed on you, pushed on you all the time. And it will ruin your life. You may never visit the house of the rising sun. It will ruin your life. She'll ruin your life. God is not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to keep something from you. But he's trying to liberate you. And the devil just lies. And he lies. And he lies. And and so many men, they just think it's it's a sign of their... I guess an affirmation of their worth. They've had a lot of women... It's actually a testimony to your stupidity. I'm serious, guys. It's a testimony of your blindness, of your deception, and of your ignorance of God. I don't want to get too graphic tonight. I have spam control on my computer. I don't know about the rest of you. And I don't know if somebody knows my age out there. You know, if like advertisers know my age. But I must get 50. 50 spam emails a day for a particular product to do a particular thing to me. (laughs) Or I get these spam emails like, Oh, my love, I'm waiting for you. I'm like, "You, You gotta be, are you out of your mind? Occasionally I've written back, Are you out of your mind? And then you know what always happens? Undeliverable mail. <laughs> but do you know, do you realize, do you realize there are literally tens of thousands, millions of men who are trapped by that every single day? The devil wants to destroy your life. And He destroys your life by deceiving you, by tricking you, by foisting on you a lie in every possible way. You see all these people, I see you. Yesterday in the news, Sean Young was picked up, taken to the psych ward. People trying to hold on to a moment of fame. And the world, they use you for a while and then they just push you to the side you ever notice that? They just use you for a little while, and you just get pushed aside. Nobody wants you anymore. You're not young enough. You're not good-looking enough. Oh, yesterday was your day. It is no more. And they just push you aside. God doesn't do that. That's the way the world is. It's so important. It's so important that you get to the Word of God and that you realize that God isn't trying to hurt you. He loves you. He's trying to save you. He's really—he's not only trying to save you for eternity, but he's trying to save you between now and when you go to be with him from all the garbage that will destroy your life. Well, I should keep going on that, but I won't. I want to finish this series on your job. On your job. Some people have asked me, Mark... <laughs> You know, they they hear me talk about trials. So they say, Mark, do you believe God ever wants a person to succeed? And I thought it would be good to talk about that tonight. We talked about work the first week. We talked about the fact that God created work. Work was not a curse. Work was meant to be a blessing. That God created us to be productive. You know one of the things that men fear the most how many of you, I, I can't see all of you, but how many of you seen the movie Secondhand Lions? Anybody see the movie Secondhand Lions? All right. Well, it looks like a few people. Secondhand Lions, you got Michael Caine and Robert Duvall. And they're these two old guys. They had kind of an adventurous life, but now they're stuck on this hick hillbilly little farm. And for fun, they go out and take their shotgun and shoot fish in their pond, if I remember right. <coughs> well, their niece, I think it's her niece. <coughs> yeah, I know, but I'm talking about the woman who's of the little boy. I think it's their one of their daughters or somebody like that. Drops off this kid and she leaves him there. She takes off. She doesn't want to be responsible for him. So they've so they got to become like surrogate dads. They, they don't know what to do. But as the story goes, story goes the story goes on you discover the single greatest fear of every man you know what that is that one day he'll be useless that one day he will have no value anymore because he's useless and so it tells the story, you know, of Michael and his brother and Robert Duvall and they were adventurous and they did all this stuff when they were young. But now they're old and their bodies don't work quite as well and, and you know, they can't keep up with the youngsters anymore. And, and all of a sudden they find, they discover that they have value again in a different way mentoring this young boy and their lives sort of reignite because they find they're useful. You were not meant to be useless. You were created by God to work and be productive and find satisfaction in a job well done. So many people, they wish to themselves, I just wish I could win the lottery and never have to go to work again. I don't. If I won the lottery, I don't play the lottery. But if I did... Or someone gave me the money, or somehow one of those drawings that my wife's filled out once and she sent in and we won. I already know in my mind what I would do with that money. I would continue to work. But at that point I might be able to work for free. I would give much of it away to organizations or to individuals that I'm working with to plant churches around the world. But what I wouldn't do is quit. And go by myself that cabin I always wanted in northern Idaho or British Columbia and just say goodbye to the world. Because nothing, nothing gets you old as fast as doing nothing meaningful with your life. Now secondly, I wouldn't do it because it would dishonor God. You know, I, God hasn't changed. The cause of Christ hasn't changed. The urgency of the hour has not changed. So I wouldn't do it for that reason. And then the next week we talked about what a godly employee looks like. We talked about how you and I, we really don't work for our employer. We work for God. And that changes the game. Whether we're changing diapers or doing a load of laundry or mowing the lawn or closing a sale or teaching a classroom of kids or representing someone in a courtroom or operating on someone in a hospital. We work for God. And he's going to reward us. And the Bible tells us to do everything we do for the glory of God. And to work at it with all of our might, with all of our heart, and really go at it. So we got into that next week. Last week we talked about injustice. And there's a lot of injustice in our world, a lot of injustice that you're going to encounter, and difficult people on your job, and mean people, and people who who treat you with great injustice. And we saw the Bible has a really radical prescription of how we're to deal with injustice. But tonight, <clears throat> we ask the question, does God want me to succeed on my job? Is it okay to be successful at work? Is it okay for a Christian to make money on their job? And the answer to all three of those is yes. But then if you ask the question, so does God Want my life to be pain-free and trial-free, and the answer to that is no. You're probably going to experience a measure of both in your life as you honor God. But it, but it is no it's no glory to God to fail at everything. It's no glory to God to be lazy at everything, to be sluggerly at everything. And to simply say, well, I'm just suffering for the Lord. Well, you might be, but you might be suffering because you're lazy, good for nothing, unreliable, miserable employee. And that doesn't glorify God. And so I wanted to talk with you about this tonight. How do you find that balance? That balance. So we're going to start in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this. Oh, the joys of those who... Who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with scoffers, but they delight in doing everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about his law and his word. They're like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. So you ask yourself the question, you're like a tree. Do you remember what Jesus did to the tree that didn't bear any fruit? In the Gospels, Jesus is walking with his disciples one day. And they passed the fig tree. Jesus was hungry. There was no fig on the tree. And Jesus said to the fig tree, Cursed are you, and you will never bear any fruit. The disciples were amazed by this. They walked by later, and the whole fig tree had withered. What did God expect from the tree? Fruit. What does God expect from you? Fruit. Now, now, let me just clear something up here. He's not going to curse you because you're not a tree. Secondly, He's not going to curse you because you're His child if you know Christ and He's already put His Spirit in you and He's blessed your life in the sense that He put His Spirit in you. But in a practical sense, the Bible says this. If you will not listen to the advice of the wicked people out here and follow the value system of this world, but instead you turn your ear and your heart to my advice and you walk in my ways and you meditate on my truth because as you meditate on the word of God, God gives you wisdom and wisdom is more valuable than gold. Wisdom helps you make money. Wisdom gives you insight of how you can do what you do better. Then here's what happens. You be like a tree planted by a river bank. So there might be a drought out here, but because you're planted by the river bank, at the right season, you will bear fruit. There'll be a harvest. This is what the Scripture says. Genesis chapter 39. If you've been reading your one-year Bible... You've been reading the story of Joseph. Let me just read you just a few verses. Let me tell you a little background story for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, which is fine. That's why you're here, to learn more about it. Joseph is one of 12 children, 12 sons. And his brothers, he was the youngest until his brother Benjamin was born. When Joseph was about 17, his brothers sold him. They sold him into slavery because they hated him. It was a very dysfunctional family. But Joseph was a God lover. He loved God. And they sold him into the nation of Egypt. And a man bought Joseph named Potiphar. Now when Joseph arrived in Egypt with the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar a member of the personal staff of Pharaoh. So so Potiphar worked for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the ruler of the land. Like Caesar was in Rome, Pharaoh was in Egypt. He was the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. But the Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with him. Potiphar soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household and he entrusted him with all his business dealings. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs began to run smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have a worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. This is really an amazing passage. First thing I want you to notice is that God was with Joseph. Jesus said in Matthew 28:19 and 20, Go, therefore, into all the world, make disciples of all nations, Baptize Him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God has sent us out into the world. And He sent us out, as I shared with you a few weeks ago, to be a light in our job. To be an attraction of the message of Jesus Christ. We're His ambassadors. He's with us. God is with us. And God was with Joseph. But notice... It wasn't just that God magically touched Joseph. It was that Joseph served Potiphar well. And he did so well that Potiphar stood back and looked at Joseph and said, Wow, whatever I give this guy, he does it really well. He's very thorough. He handles responsibility well. In fact, I'm going to give him more. My gosh, whatever he does, he does it well, he does it thoroughly, it's blessed. That's what I mean by success. The Lord did the same thing with David. The Bible says God was with him and blessed him greatly. God is with you and I. And his desire is to bless us in what we do. Now, there's a difference between what I'm saying to you and, and the common understanding that you see so often on television that if you just give this much money and you just give this seed money, you will be driving a Rolls Royce and you can wear a Rolex and you will be living in a beautiful palace because you're a king's kid and God wants you to prosper. God wants us to live for a mission. God wants us to make his mission the priority in our life. And we take that mission with us into the workplace. But that does not mean that we should not do our jobs well, very well in fact. In fact, your goal your goal, ought to be whatever you're given that you do it to the best you possibly can of your ability. That you ask God to give you wisdom to do it well, to do it very well. It's okay to work hard and develop and use your skills and succeed. It is just wrong to make it the focus of your life. See, a lot of people, they they put success up on the wall. They put pictures of a Porsche up on their wall. And it motivates them. They're motivated for things. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is to honor and glorify God and to serve those that we work for in a God-honoring way. So that the company I work for or the group I work for, that they prosper as a result of my work. So that God gets the glory and God gets the honor. And God is praised. So I'm going to just give you a few principles here. Biblical principles for this kind of success in your job. The first is work hard whatever you're going to do, really work at it really give yourself to it. really apply yourself with all diligence. Second make sure in, when you're working hard that your work is done well and it's not poorly done whether you're maybe you're busting tables, maybe you're waitressing a table. Maybe you're cooking the food that's going out to the table. Maybe you're running the restaurant that's cooking the food that's putting it on the table. Whatever your role is in there, are you striving to do it well? To do it the best that you can? That's a question you want to ask yourself. There's a lot of things you can learn to do it well. To make sure the food's taken out there hot. It's taken out there on time. You know, I'm such a nut about this. My my wife, occasionally for my daughter, my wife, I'll I'll run and get them a special kind of hamburger or some special fries. (laughs) And never fails, they go into the restaurant and I'm at the counter and I ask them for, you know, the hamburger and I always ask them two things. I said, like you, do me a favor. I'd be more than willing to wait. I'd like the fries to be cooked fresh and I'd like the sandwich to be fixed fresh. Please don't take it off the rack, and I'll wait. They always do. So the other day, I'm there, and I'm waiting for the fries, and they grabbed the old fries. They put them in the bag, and so I opened up the bag. I picked it up. I said, See this fry? I said, I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything. It's not my point, but these are old fries, so I'm going to wait right here. Please make some fresh fries. Because it's a treat for my daughter and my wife. They rarely get them. So then, when they give them to me, I go in the car and I put them down by the heater to keep them warm. And I get home as fast as I can. And I run up the stairs so that I can take them out so it's almost that they're at the restaurant. Because nothing's worse than a cold, clammy, oily fry. That's just the way I am. So I think to myself, would I want to eat this? How would I want to eat this? How would I want to eat this? You know, whether it's putting a garbage bag in a wastebasket or whether it's wiping down a table or whether it's vacuuming a floor or whether it's making a presentation, whatever it is, whatever it is you may have as your livelihood, are you striving for excellence? When you strive for excellence, you will not have to worry about success. When you strive for excellence. And God wants you to strive for excellence. To do your best. Secondly, develop your skill. Develop your skill. Develop your skill. Develop your skill. When I first started... Not that I can't keep continue to develop my skill. I, I am striving to do that. But when I first started speaking... I would take out some note cards... And I would write my whole message out word for word. Then I would go out into my garage. I would shut the door because it has to be really private for me to feel like uninhibited enough to do this. And I would practice it three times through the whole thing. Till I could say it from memory. And I'd pray over it. And I'd pray over it. And I'd pray over it. God use me. God speak through me. God touch people's lives through me. My job is part of my job is a it's a people business. And I realize that unless I get better and better with people, unless I grow in love, unless I grow to be more like Christ, I'm not going to be all that effective at what I do. Not only do I need to grow in people's skills continually, but also wisdom. I need wisdom to give people answers. For the real problems that they're facing. And I really believe the Bible has them. And to keep myself sharp. Every morning. Every morning. I have my prayer time. And I'm praying. And I'm seeking God. And then I have my time in the word. And I'm thinking about the word of God. Lord how does this apply? How does this relate? Give me answers for these people in their life. Whatever it is you're going to do. Develop your skill. Develop your skill. Keep developing it. Keep honing it. I've never been, <clears throat> I really have never been, writing is very difficult for me. It's very difficult for me. So little by little by little by little, over the last 15 years, I've just been writing in this book. It's this leather journal my mother gave me a number of years ago. And, and I just started writing some of the lessons and I try to write them in cursive handwriting and and write them neatly and make them succinct and make them really say something and really kind of jump off the page. And then one day, maybe I'll print it and give it to my kids. I don't know. But but I have to work at it. All of the faith walkers that we've done so far, fi- so far, all five of them, I've written the little write-up for it on the online or on the thing. And I always try to refine my ability to, to make that topic really like live and come alive. i got to work at it you got to develop your skill. The house church guys that I'm working with, some of you know we have house church here. I've been working with them now for almost two years to hone their skill to teach. And I know many of them, as they're preparing their message, they go out in their garage and they practice it. You think, oh, it's just a little house church. It's just, you know, 40 people in a room. But I want them to grow in their skill. And I go over with them the things they're going to be talking about that next house church. Whatever you're going to do, develop your skill. Develop it. Now that, that doesn't mean, I want to make something really clear. God gives each of his talents and gifts and abilities and and I've told friends before, I said, you know, have you ever heard of those little bar lounge singers, you know, like at the Holiday Inn? I said, I'm kind of a lounge preacher. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not trying to get on TV. I realize I have so much talent that God gave me and I'm just asking Him to use what I have. I'm just bringing Him my loaves and fishes, but I want to bring Him good loaves and fishes. I want to bring Him a few loaves and fishes He can really use. Some people, you know, they may have talent that goes way beyond what mine ever will. That's okay with me. Man, I don't don't begrudge Rick Warren at all for 15 million purpose-driven life books sold. Praise God for His faithfulness To use his talent to serve other people. We're not trying to compete with talent. What we're trying to do is say, Lord, I want to to develop what you gave me the very best. If you're going to be a homemaker, if you're going to be a wife or a husband, are you really developing your skill to be the very best that you can be? That glorifies God. That honors God. And you know what else? It really... Richly satisfies you to know, man, I just really gave my best. And you begin to reap the fruit of that. My wife and I, we look back on our almost 27 years of uh, being parents, 28 years almost, with a deep sense of satisfaction. Because we worked at it really hard. Really, 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 really hard. And we made adjustments and we kept trying to grow and we we gave our very best. and, And now it's just such a joy to be able not to have them gone, like many parents, oh, it's just so great to be in these golden years. But rather to look out over the harvest and see the fruit that's come from your labor. That's a good thing. On your job, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Third thing you got to learn to do is overcome obstacles. If you're going to succeed in life and your job, you're going to have to overcome obstacles. And those obstacles may come in a whole lot of different forms. But one thing you can never do. You've heard this before. I know it sounds trite, but it's biblical. You cannot quit and give up. You've got to find a way, a righteous way, an ethical way, an upright way to overcome those obstacles. And God will allow those in your life and they grow you and they make you stronger and they make you better at what you're going to do or they'll break you. And you'll quit. And you never prosper if you quit. Fourth thing you got to do is maintain a good attitude. It's real easy, isn't it? When life gets difficult or things get hard, just have a rotten attitude. I I have to deal with my attitude. I'm saying I always have a perfect attitude. I don't. But, boy, I know, you know, I've got to bring a good attitude to the game. And in my day-to-day life, I have to bring a good attitude. It's real easy to bring into our jobs a negative attitude, a critical attitude. I don't mean like you know, just be positive, be positive, positive. You know, I was, I saw this news story the other day, and in they interviewed a young, young lady. And she says, "Oh, I'm just, I've just been believing positiveness. Thinking positiveness is so much positiveness coming into my life. I just feel it right now. I just know I'm going to make it on American Idol because I'm just, I've just been believing so much positiveness." And then she didn't get voted on the show. But <laughs> have you ever heard people say, "Let's just all hold hands and think good thoughts." Think. Visualize peace. Think It's going to happen. Never be peace until sin is gone from the world. And there's only two ways that will happen. One, that Christ begins to reign in every heart. And two, Jesus comes back and takes it all away. (coughs) So, I'm not talking about just... Oh, Lord, today, I just, oh, good things are coming. Good things are coming my way. I'm just claiming my promise. Good things. Good things are coming my Today, good things are coming my way. And my pipe burst today and wrecked the ceiling in my son's room, but good things are going to happen today. Good things. You're going to have obstacles in your day. You're going to have obstacles come in your life, but you're going to have to learn to have a good attitude, develop your attitude. No one wants to be around. Let me tell you this. No one wants to be around a grumbler, Mr. or Miss negative, Mr. or Miss find everything wrong with everything. You are not going to have many friends and you're not going to succeed. And the last thing here, we can put it the first. These aren't necessarily in any order because they're all important. Trust the Lord. Seek the Lord. And put him first in everything. Trust the Lord. Seek the Lord. And put him first in everything. He's got to be first. He's got to be first in your life. First in your heart. First in your thoughts. He's the one that you love. Not success. We're not not going after success. We're going after a God-honoring life. And as we go after a God-honoring life and develop these habits in our life that are godly habits, often... Your job, you will be very successful at it. And you will be able to reap the rewards of that. But the goal, and this is very important, the goal is to be able to give those rewards back to God. I realize, I want to close with just give you a little perspective. I realize that we live in the United States of America. In the United States for all the faults that everybody finds with it, has the single greatest standard of living amongst the most people of any place in the whole world. That's why so many people want to come here, whether legally or illegally. We have, I've traveled to many places in the world, we have what's known as the great middle class. In places like Latin America, for example, you have the very poor and the rich. There's hardly anyone in the middle class. Most of you and I here today, we we live like kings lived in the 17 and 1800s. Now we may not have as many servants, but we have products that serve us as good as having two or three or four servants. Many people, maybe here, but certainly outside these walls, eat out two meals a day. You know what you really say when you eat out? You say, "Serve me. I deserve servants." fix my food, prepare my food, and bring it to me. I'm sitting here. You may not be able to go to your home and have a full-time maid and a full-time cook and a full-time chef. You may think, see, Mark, I'm not really rich. No, you're missing the point. Most of you, many of you, shouldn't, but can't really afford it. But you eat every single lunch at a restaurant where someone else you're paying to be your servant. We live in a country that has the way in which it's been structured and administrated and ordered that if you go out and apply yourself and work diligently and develop a skill, a useful skill, and you work hard, as I've been talking about, you will be compensated for it. And often you will be compensated more than you actually need to live on. And that's the key right there. The key is, we'll find out your heart. Will you keep raising your standard of living as your money raises, or will you live an economical, righteous, frugal, appropriate standard of living so that as the success brings more money in, you're able to use that money to advance the cause of Jesus Christ? Let me share something with you. You're you're obviously, again, I don't know if you watch the news. Most of you probably get it from the Internet. You realize that we have a presidential campaign that's building, right? And it's Obama and Hillary and McCain and Romney. And it's coming down to the wire and they're fighting and they're fighting. And, well, just today, Obama is now up to $32 million raised in campaign funds. And Hillary's up to $27.6 million left in our coffers and it's still coming in and still coming in and it's still coming in. You know why? Because ordinary people realize and actually very rich people realize that the only way to get your candidate elected is to put money, your money, my money in their coffers so they can be elected. I would like to get Christ elected to the heart of every person in the world. I would like to see churches planted all over the United States that are relevant, that are meaningful, that help people understand the message of Jesus Christ. Many of you come here, you bring your friends, because I can understand this. I would like to see churches like this all over. You know what it takes to do that? Money. You know where that money comes from? Out on a tree, a money tree that God put in our backyard? No, it comes from me and you. So as as me and you do our job well and we are increasingly compensated for it and we choose to live an appropriate standard of living, the difference between what we're getting and what we're living on continues to grow. We're able to scrape that off the top and give it to God and lay up treasure in heaven. And that's one of the primary reasons for you and I to do the very best you can at what you do To succeed so that when that compensation comes, you are able to bless the world through it. Not so that you and I can continue to accumulate more things and more possessions. Jesus said this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and dust collect and thieves break into steel. But lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. That's the point. God wants you to be fabulously wealthy in heaven. The way you do that is by keeping focused here and now, keeping your priorities straight, working very hard, giving your very best. Do not be afraid of the success or the responsibility that comes in your job. Keep your priorities straight at all times. And learn to set an appropriate standard of living for yourself and your family so that as that grows, you're able to continue funding Jesus Christ campaign. That's about as clear as you're ever going to hear it. That's what we're trying to do. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you tonight for your word, for the guidance your word gives us, for the direction your word gives us. And Lord, I would just want to pray that you would cause and work in every single person's life here today, every single one that that has a job, whether it's inside the home or outside the home, that they would work at it with all their heart, that every job they do would be a job well done, that they would strive for excellence, that I would strive for excellence, that all of us would. Lord, we would use our skill, we develop our skill. Help us, Father. Help us to be people who put you first in everything. Help us to have a good attitude with what we do. And I pray that you would cause each person here to experience an ever-increasing measure of godly success, of biblical success, and that we would use what you give us to advance your cause throughout the world till you return. In Jesus' name, amen.